at Hilton Garden Inn. We've got all you foodies covered. In the morning, we'll set you up with eggs cooked just the way you like and a freshly squeezed glass of orange juice. And then in the evening, you can wind down with a flatbread and a cold beer after a long day exploring. With cooked-to-order breakfast, delicious plates and a tasty drinks menu, visit HiltonGardenInn.com and rediscover the simple pleasures in life. Welcome, children, to Ghost Man Horror House here. <coughs> Today's story is The Doctor's Questions by Eric Whittle. I can't open my eyes enough to see exactly what the rooms look like. Only the outline of my legs, a bed, some tubes, and a cheap paper gown. My hand appears to have some kind of bracelet around it. Most likely a hospital admittance bracelet, a kind with a name of and D O B, wait, and how did I end up in the hospital? Why don't, hasn't my family been notified? Why can't I remember? Why do I feel so weak? I can't feel my heartbeat all the way down to my feet. I'm panicking. No, I'm not. I'm fine. Everything is fine. I'm in a hospital. I am s safely admitted. They are taking care of me. That's what hospitals are for. If I had my wallet on me, then I got, when I got here, then they must have my innovation. On this bracelet I'm wearing, no need to overreact. My heartbeat slows at the fault. I can see a bit clearer. Maybe I can lift my arm and check if I can read it. I'm taking a lot more effort than it would it than it normally would. Even in my current state of fatigue, I hear a jingle as I raise it and a sharp metallic prop as my wrist jerks to a sudden stop. I didn't have to see clearly to know that I was wearing a very different kind of bracelet. Steel cuffs attached to the side rail of a hospital bed. Once I have no recollection of getting in. This isn't treatment for an accident. This is detainment for an incident. As a feeling of dread, an impending doom rots inside. A sound of a door opening jaunts me back quickly to reality. Even though, as it seems, I'm looking through grease, smeared glass. Instead of my eyes, I can still make out the features of what can only be a doctor. A tall, old White man with graying hair and a clipboard. Look who's awake, the doctor says through a half-hearted grin while approaching my bed. I don't respond. I can't 
I could feel like I can't. I might say something that make my situation worse. I think you can see a look of dread on my face because his grin turns to a rather loud, emanated laugh. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't understand. I managed to let out with a quivering tone. You do that every time. How could I not laugh? A doctor says as he scoots his rolling chair a foot from my, the cuff side of my bed. I see a name tag now, Dr. Tinston. What do you mean, every time? I've never seen you before. Now, Dr. Tizion, I sneer. Yes, you have. You've been here. And you pronounce my name wrong every time. As he sits down, my vision starts to clear up enough to make out the finer details of his face, which is exactly as I expect. An old man with a large nose, wrinkled, riving face, and a white lab coat. It is pronounced Dr. Tizion. Not that it matters. You may call me Doctor. You always do. He says. He starts flipping through the pages of his clipboard while chuckling, licking his finger. Each time he turns a page, he stops after a few flips and squints at the paper. Well, I I won't sugarcoat it. You mess yourself up pretty bad. Your vision is blurry, correct? Yes. That's because you slammed into another vehicle on the 115 and your head smashed into the windscreen. He half laughs, half speaks his words. Why does he seem to so giddy to tell me this? My feeling of dread mixes with seething anger. How can a medical doctor smile while delivering this kind of news? What is the hell wrong with you? Why are you laughing? He laughs even harder when I say that. (laughs) Well, Ryan, that's what we're going to figure out together. The doctor says, his smile turning into a look of whimsical interest. I notice you have a lot of questions, but no sense of priority. Aren't you a bit more curious about why I'm talking to you instead of the police? He says, tapping the cuff rail with his clipboard. Yes, I say. He may be inconsiderate, but he's right. Good. I have convinced the police you need a different sort of attention than the type they would want to give you. However, I only can, I can only keep you convinced if, if you do. I need one hundred percent of your cooperation, he says, more serious now. What, what I mean is, you need to stay calm and follow my instructions. You do that, and things will turn out better than you they have for you in the past. The doctor says. I will, uh, I will agree to that if you agree to clarify. Better than that, that they then. They have in the past. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to do be a f- vague fortune teller, I'll rather talk to the police. I'd say.
You don't understand. That's what I meant by this. Until we figure it out together. Even so, I tell you this, Ryan. If you don't accept the things that I say, whether you know what they mean or not, you will not like the outcome. A doctor groans almost as if to threaten. I'm in no position to refuse. I don't, I don't know what I did. I don't know what hospital I am at. He is telling the truth about the police, and I should figure out what I do did before making any decisions. This Dr. Tinson is only one offering my any answers. I have no choice but to go along, or right, I'll cooperate. What do you need, need me to do? I say, all I need is you, you to do is answer questions, not ask them. He replies, that's physically impossible in my situation. It is difficult, I know, just refrain from questions as much as possible. Before we do anything, your physical health needs to be addressed. He says, pointing to my head, a blow on your head caused damage to the frontal and ocular blows in your brain, the very front and very back areas. It got bounced around pretty good. As we mentioned briefly, that caused some vision issues, blurriness, and several other things. Look around. Is it anything abnormal? He says, dressing towards the entire room. I look around. The blurriness seems to have completely gone away. But there is something else, something wrong. I scan the stationary objects around the room, medical device, tools, and so forth. They look as if they're evaporating out the corner of my vision. They are appearing all at once as soon as I look directly at them. This is concerning, confusing. Then I look at the doctor. I don't know how I have missed it before, but it seems he's made out of plastic and rubber. His character of a face with all wrinkles and contours, like a wax graving, carving. His eyes are the only things that seem to have any life in them. Through its stretched fin, his life is decaying and sorrowful. A kind you see in a soldier who has watched the last remnant of a soul leave their friend's eyes time and time again. In Kurani, have taken the remnants from others as well. As I keep looking at the doctor's eyes, the rest of his face starts to evaporate like the room had done moments ago. Now my vision is taken up completely by my eyes, which turn into two black abysses. I'm not sure if I can look away from them, or if it's time it's distorted. I've been here for an eternity. I felt, I feel as though all the guilt of sadness in the world had been poured into my eyes, poured onto me. I can see my reflection in those dark pits, but not a reflection of my face, or body, a reflection of me, who I am. Those voids are hell. Those voids are me. I hear a voice screaming, then whimpering over over again, it's getting louder, time has gained hold again, the end, the end in black is evaporating, I see eyes, they're mine, no, 
Okay, the doctors. I see his face now. He's standing over me. He's screaming. He's screaming now. I want to stop over the screaming. I can hear the sound of metal and glass crunching together, screeching. The sounds mixed together into wine. I realize suddenly that the scream is coming from my own mouth. I try to, for a while, to silence myself, and eventually manage to lower the scream to quiet weeping. I regain spectacular sight. I look down at my cuffed wrist. The skin is eviscerated. My gown is covered in blood and bits of flesh, bone fragments, and all matter of racery. I gasp in disgust. This is if I were looking at a butchered, butchered animal instead of my own arm. The pain sets in slowly, in all of us, all at once. My wrist feels like it's being bashed by rocks, by a blowtorch scorches any remaining nerves that may have been spared. The agony is marched by the volume of my screams. They reverberate in my ears as I close my eyes. And I then fade away as I open them. What do I see? I see the doctor. Look around. Is there anything abnormal? I hear the doctor say. I am staring at him. The pain is gone. I look at my wrist. There is no blood. I would scream, but I continue to stare at the doctor instead. I start to fall into the abyss again. No, I yell closing my eyes and turning away. There we are. That's much quicker than usual, a doctor says. What does that even mean? What, What is it? What kind of doctor are you? I ask, frankly. No questions, remember? He reiterates. No, you're going to answer my questions now. I, sh- I shout, staring, starting to reach towards the doctor. I'm sure what I could do I do if I actually grab hold of him. The doctor backs away quickly, calmly, as I yell insults and threats at him, he sits and patiently awaits. I finally calm down. I breathe hard. I can feel I can feel every negative emotion in the spectrum. I don't care why I'm here. I don't care who this doctor is anyway. I want this to end. I don't understand. The doctor lets out a long sigh and then begins to seek. Your head injury has made you. No, this is not a result of some head injury, doctor. This is your doing. Everything is normal, normal as it, as it can be in my situation. Until you, start to, uh, uh, until you start to ask your, your questions. You have done no testimony. You provided me with no evidence. That isn't an elaborate kidnap or torture. I, I protest. <coughs> yes, I have, Mark Ryan, many times, and I'd like to admit. Oh, but you remember. He says, oh, in one breath, Charlie. I'm supposed to take your word for it. I'm supposed to accept that you're putting me through. Because you have a name tag? I don't care how many times you've done the test. 
Even if I don't remember. Do them again. I, I yell. The doctor is laughing again. Harder than before. He fights with tears. Oh, this is funny again. Why? Because I... Yeah, yes, you see... You said this all before, Ryan. I've heard your insane ramblings about the abyss, your curse, weeping and screams. All of it, I know about the disappearing objects, losing your sense of time, coming right before the illusions. Illusions are near this, but remember, right? He says, shaking his head. I could tell you what happens next, you, but every time I do, I lose you and we go right back to square one. I know I'm making you angry. I have to. It's the only way to keep you going. The sooner you understand that, the sooner you can make sense of this and someday came out of it. The doctor proclaims, putting his hands in the air as if it's just, it's that easy. The doctor continues, as for your claims of me holding you hostage, look, he gets down and opens the door. Nurse, he yells. Some minutes later, a very tall male nurse, a blue crab walks in the door. Yes, doctor. As a man starts, says this, the doctor points at me. And the nurse starts to let out a slight chuckle and says, Hostage or conspiracy? Hostage, the doctor answers. He gestures to the nurse to leave, then closes the door. My feeling of powerlessness and stupidity doubles as the doctor takes his seat, flips to a page of his clipboard and stares at me. I get it now, I understand. I say suddenly, I'm insane, and you've been trying to help me. Yes, fine, but we wouldn't call it insanity. He responds with genuine concern. Okay. If I don't accept the fact I slip back again, right? I ask. Right again. Unfortunately, this is not the case. He says, Could you at least tell me how long this has been, go- been going on then? Going on? Another problem with treating you is that I can't even tell you how long I've been treating you. Well, you're another relapse. But this is, that is the way when you first got here, you remember your family? Do you still remember them? He asks. I spent so much time being competitive. I couldn't think of anything so fundamental. I don't remember them, I say. I have to accept this. I can't let my overwhelming sadness take hold. The doctor is right. He has to be. What else would it? He know of all this. Are you ready for the rest of the questions? The, f- the first one is always the hardest. I pass it now. There are fewer, far fewer e- easier questions than the, la- the last one, which we've never been able to get past. He says, Yes, I am ready. I, s- I say as confidently as I can. The doctor lets out a long sigh of relief. When you were in the abyss, do you remember anything about a crash? He asks. I heard heard a metal scraping, glass breaking, screams. I do not remember seeing anything. 
I say, Who did the screen belong to, Ryan? He asks, Me. But at the same time, they don't belong to me. It's hard to explain. I reply, Who did they belong to, if you had to guess? He asks, If I collided with another vehicle, it must have been the people I hit. I say, I can taste something pungent in my mouth. It leaves as quickly as it comes. What road were you driving on, Ryan? The doctor, the doctor asked. Interstate 15 from Barnstow to Las Vegas. I reply immediately. Good, Ryan. You're doing very well. So you started your trip in Barrow, Barrowstone. What is Barrowstone, doctor? Ah, the doctor asked as he shifts forward in his seat. The taste comes back to my mouth stronger now. It tastes like hard liquor mixed with charcoal. Why did you leave them? He asked. The doctors were called. Police were called. Tears fill my visions and my voice begins to crack. Called by whom? He asked. I don't know. I was fighting with my wife. She said I was a useless drunk and I was not good for children. I can barely speak through my sobbing. I can see my kids through the window at the kitchen sink. Carla, Cameron, Kayla is nine, Cameron is twelve. They are playing outside. They look so happy. I see my wife, Amy, yelling at me in the kitchen. I can't hear her though. We had to make you them go outside. She didn't want the kids to hear. I speak as if as if frozen driven by a motor. Why, why were you fighting? The doctor asked. I had gone out to her house drunk again. I don't know why. I wanted to see the kids. I just think, don't can't think straight. I just wanted to see the kids. At that point, did you get what what point did he get at hand? The doctor asked, his voice sounding distant. I can't see the doctor or the hospitals. Bed anymore? I'm standing in my house in Bowstow, drunk, having a screaming match with my wife. I can hear her clearly now. Seven years ago. Seven freaking years, Ryan. And not one day can you show my up sober, can you? Your kids have been seen, haven't seen their fathers. It's your babies. You're lucky. I don't call the police. I know what. If you don't leave now, I'll call the police. She turns to for. She reaches for her phone. I put the garbage disposal on to it. She starts to run towards the door. I block her from getting out. She runs into her bedroom. She thinks I'm going to hit her. I would never hit her, but. She would always cower like I was going to. She gets to the bedroom before I do. I grab the hand, grab the handle, but my hand slips for the door. She slams it onto my wrist. I can't feel the pain, but I know it's there. I push through the doorway into the bedroom. She still thinks I'm going to hit her. I want to talk. I don't know why I keep going. I don't know why I, I think she would want to talk to me. I just want to let me see my kids. She tries to grab her, 
my gun I let her I had left in the dresser table Oh, she kicked me out, but I get to, to get to do it first. I'm not pointing at her. I'm just keeping away from her. She starts to scream at me again. Look at you, Ryan, you big man. You've got a gun. You wouldn't pull that trigger. You couldn't. You're useless drunk, just like your father. He's definitely got you sober for, what, a day? Tears are streaming down my face as I put the gun into my mouth. I hear my daughters outside playing. I have peace finally. That's what. That's just like you, isn't it? Get all this way to seek more attention. Well, congratulations, Ryan. We're all proud of you. He keeps talking for a moment or two. I am not listening. I take the gun out of my mouth and shoot her. In the chest, I think. I don't look when I pull the trigger. I don't want to see it. I drop the gun and run out to the front door where my kids are playing. They ask what a loud, what the loud sound was. I say it was her mum turning on a movie, and she let us go on, go on a trip till she's watched it. I grab a bottle of vodka from under the sink. And we drive down into Sensei 115. I think the traffic light headed into another direction in the party lane. My daughters were playing in the back. I was so happy. They kept playing even as I drove the car into ongoing traffic. Screams clutching metal, breaking glass, a dark abyss. I can't hear the do- I can hear the doctor's voice again. Last question, Ryan. What is this hospital? I don't as the feeling dread and peeling dot will do mocks itself. The sound of the door opening jolts me back to reality, even though it seems as though I'm looking through glass mean instead of eyes, I can still make out the features of what can only be a doctor. A tall, old white man with grey hair. And a clipboard. Thank you, my children. I hope that didn't scare you too much. Don't have too many nightmares. I mean, what an album. Oh. You've heard it, right? Oh, of course, yeah, I love it. Yeah. That opening track, the, the, guitar, the work guitar work is just... Oh, my... Oh. It's amazing. And then it goes all, it's all freestyle, freestyle jazz. jazz. I know, what, yeah. what a twist that was. You, you haven't heard it, have you? I haven't heard it. No, I don't know who you're talking about. Mm. Vodafone gives you two years of the latest music from Spotify Premium on a two-year Red Entertainment plan. The future's exciting. Ready? Vodafone. Automatically renews at the end of your contract for a charge unless cancelled. Terms and verification at vodafone.co.uk slash redentertainment.